0: there, this is Jen Wade part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, My name's John, Uh, along with this man here. It's my privilege to be one of the pastors here at this church, and it's just great to uh, to welcome you into the house of the Lord. As we were just singing that last song, um, I, I was actually out uh, preaching this morning at a local church, and uh, somebody I've known a long time uh, came up to me, and uh, we'd been thinking just for a, a short space about um, being sure that the number of days that God's allocated to us are the right, exactly the right number, and talking about that uh, that verse, I think, in the Psalms where uh, David says, the days of my life uh, were written even before I experienced one of them. And uh, my pal, as I say, I've known a long time, he says, look, I, I totally believe that. He said, but I still sometimes have doubts. And uh, he's been a Christian a long time. And uh, we were just chatting uh, about uh, what it means to have assurance. Uh, and as we were singing that, that song, just, you know, I believe... I will rise with him. Could I just put it out there? Have you the assurance that you will rise with Jesus? You can have it. If you don't have that assurance, you can have it today. I'm a very good Methodist by background. And for some of you that know, the Methodist church was established by a couple of brothers called John and Charles Wesley. And uh, John Wesley had, uh, he, he wrote a certain number of sermons. And as, as we went, as we were trained, we had to, to study these Wesleyan sermons. And there were certain core beliefs um, that John Wesley had that, that was the foundation of the Methodist church. And one of them was this, that all men and women can be saved. And then the next line down was all men and women can know that they're saved. It's not an arrogance. It's not arrogance to say I believe I've been saved by Jesus. It's not an arrogance. The Bible makes it clear. So uh, I wasn't going to say that at all. But if you, if you don't have real assurance, today is the day. You can be sure, you can be sure that on that day, you will rise uh, with him. Uh, can we get the, uh, the slides up, please, Stella? Stella i don't think the message is going to be overly uh long this afternoon you'll be pleased to hear we are going to be taking communion straight afterwards so I've, I'm conscious of that um, but what I want to share with you this afternoon uh, is some or are some thoughts around a, a really really well known uh, bible two or three verses, the words of Jesus uh which we're just going to look at in just a moment, but I just want to give you um, a little bit of context, a little bit of background. For the last couple of three months, um, I've been really conscious, and I I think, I do think I speak on Pete's behalf as well, that we've been conscious that quite a lot of folks in our church at the moment are going through quite a lot of stuff. Um, Some of it are the storms of life. And some of it is to do with um, the things that they do, particularly within the life of the church. Let me just um, share with you, and in no particular pecking order, um, we've got people that that are suffering from bereavement at the moment, we've got people that are are, are trying to move house and battling with that, we know that we've got people with family and, and marital issues in their lives there's financial pressures, there's there's major health concerns. Those are the things that I just call the storms of life. And and probably ever since the church started, we could be saying that at some stage, some of us will be going through these type of things. That's part of being a human being. We're also really conscious that for quite a few of the staff and, and the volunteers at the moment, there's a load of extra pressure being laid on us as a result of the um, the announcement that, that Aldi are going to be coming into the area uh, and Hope House is going to be relocating. And, and there's just so much extra work. You really would be surprised, if you're not close to the church, you'd be surprised at just how much is happening behind the scenes at the moment. And um, we're really conscious, we're really conscious that uh, some people are carrying a lot at the moment. And we're really anxious that Uh, we don't get to that situation where people begin to encounter burnout. And as soon as I knew I was uh, planned to preach this afternoon, I I felt a real Holy Spirit nudge just to preach on on the following text. And that's not changed over the last couple of weeks. So can we get the the first slide? I just want to read um, these words that you know so well from Matthew's Gospel, the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, where he says, Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Verses I'm sure many of you in church have heard many, many times many times Uh, and as you probably saw from the the first slide I actually wrote you know my yoke is easy really are you finding the yoke of Jesus easy at the moment are you laboring and are you heavy laden are you weighed down by the cares of the world are you struggling with what you feel God might be calling to you to do I don't know but I just want to put it out there. You see, I think a lot of Christians, and I'd certainly put myself into this category, would say uh, that when you become a Christian, Jesus doesn't promise an easy life. There's nowhere in the Bible you'll say where where Jesus says things like, come to me and all your problems will be solved. That, That certainly isn't the case. He doesn't promise an easy life, but he promises that he will be there with us every step of the way. But sometimes it can be tough to be a Christian and yet Jesus says, come to me and you'll find my, my yoke is easy. Come to me and your, your labor, your burden will be light. But you don't have to dig very deep into the Scriptures to find some Scriptures which almost seem to be uh, contrary to what Jesus has just said. Let's look at this next Scripture. This is St. Paul uh, writing to the church at Corinth, And he was writing about his life. And he said uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 11, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. Um, We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Paul was saying, yeah, I at the moment am hard-pressed. I'm perplexed. I'm persecuted, I'm struck down. How does that tie in with this verse, this saying of Jesus? Come to me, and you'll find an easy yoke, and you find that your burden is light. Jesus' own words almost seem to contradict him as well. Can we just have the next slide, Stella? Jesus said this, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Is that contrary to what he was saying a few verses ago about his burden being light and his yoke fitting easily? I don't think it is if we really dig into it. The context of of these verses when Jesus is really talking to people that that haven't got a relationship with him yet. He's talking about people who are um, in the process of becoming a Christian. Uh, It was honestly, I don't want to embarrass anybody, it was just such a thrill to to walk into church today and and see an old pal of mine Andy and, and to be introduced to his son. He said, my son gave his life to Jesus last week. That's just fantastic news. Great at the start of the service to hear that. So, people are going through this this experience of encountering Jesus and giving their lives to him all the time. But before you actually encounter Jesus, the thought of the Christian life is not necessarily one that's going to really excite you until you dig into it. Many people today believe that being a Christian is one of giving up lots of things, putting the the earthly pleasures to one side, attending really boring church services, having long lists of do's and don'ts. I remember when I was in work once, um, I don't know whether this was a backhanded compliment or not, but but one of the girls that worked, worked for me once came up to me and said, John, I can't believe you go to church. You're far too normal for that. Now, it could have been a compliment that, you know, I was kind of living my life and, and, and talking to the people uh, at work uh, about the fact that I was a Christian. It could have been that actually my life didn't really look very much like that of a Christian, and she just thought I was far too normal seeing what I was getting up to in the office to, to actually go to show. I don't know. But, but she was kind of perplexed that I'd even be interested. Why on earth do you spend your life doing that? But, of course, when you encounter Jesus... It's totally different. But Jesus says, look, many, many people choose to enter through the wide gate. Many people will walk along the broad path because that's the easy way to go about life. But actually to find me and to follow me is not that easy. He's saying you need to find the narrow gate. You need to walk along the difficult way if you want to follow him. I wonder why it might be that difficult way to go. Why is it hard to find the narrow gate? Why is it difficult to walk along the narrow path? Just a couple of thoughts about that. The narrow gate, I believe, is so narrow that you can only go through the narrow gate one at a time. It's not wide enough for two people to pass through at the same time. You can only go there on your own. You can't rely on other people's prayers. You can't rely on inspirational preaching or an inspiring preaching, if that's what you're getting today, I don't know. You can't rely on other people for your relationship with God. You can come and take part in awesome worship, but Jesus is actually saying, if you want to follow me, you've got to make a decision on your own, just you and me, to walk to me through the narrow gate. Not relying on anybody else. That can be a lonely thing to do. It can be a hard thing to become a Christian when you're a young person in a house where no one else is a Christian. To go back and tell your mom and dad, and they get all worried about these religious nutters that you're starting to get involved with. It can be a hard thing to... Become a Christian in later life when you've got a partner, a wife, a husband, a life partner that doesn't believe and you make a decision to follow Jesus. That can be quite tough, but you have to go through that narrow gate. The other reason that it's narrow is this. And this is where I think these verses link really well with our core scripture. If you want to go and follow Jesus and go through that narrow gate, it's that narrow you can't take a lot of stuff through that gate with you. You can't take stuff through that gate. If you want to follow Jesus, it involves putting down a lot of stuff and going through. And in fact, I would suggest to you that when you go through that narrow gate, the only burden that you should really be taking through that gate is the burden that Jesus himself wants you to carry. There's nothing else that you should be carrying. Can we go to the next slide, which takes us back to our our first scripture? Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. This is what Jesus says to us. The first thing I think is really cool is this. Uh, Jesus was a carpenter. And I think it is highly likely, we can't be sure, but it's very possible, quite probable, that Jesus actually spent some of his time physically making yokes. He was a carpenter, the yokes were made out of wood. I think it's a, a, a good uh, supposition to say he actually made yokes himself. Jesus knew what it was to, to shape the wood, to smooth it down, to make sure it was a perfect, a comfortable fit. Yokes in ancient Israel were nearly always double yokes, and what they would do is they, they would carve a yoke, and they would tether a less experienced ox to a more experienced one. What Jesus is actually saying here is, when you put my yoke on, it will fit really comfortably. It will be a, a, a perfect fit, in fact. And actually, when you put your yoke on, I'm going to be on the other side of that yoke. We're going to start plowing together. And that's really the context of this verse. Put you my yoke on, and I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. I want to speak just for the next couple of moments a little more personally about my own circumstances, if I can. I never, ever had any aspirations whatsoever to be a pastor. That was not something um, that, that had I'd even dreamt about or thought about. It wasn't something as a young man that I thought it'd be great to do. My calling to be a pastor was completely out of the blue. I was in my, my early 50s. Um, I had a business career. Um, I, I'd, I'd actually was in a position where I'd got a business that I could sell. Uh, and, and I actually thought, really all I want to do at this stage in my life is to sail off into the sunset, uh, do a bit of traveling, and work on my golf handicap. That was really what I wanted to do. Now, some people would say, I actually do do quite a bit of that anyway. <laughs> uh, and I'd have to put my hands up and say, yeah, yeah, I do do uh, a fair bit of those two things. But that was really what I thought it would be. And I thought, well, perhaps, you know, as a Christian, I'd, I'd go to the, the local church and say, uh, you know, I've got a bit more time on my hands. I can give you a day a week. I can, I can help out a bit more. Um, But out of the blue, I received a very, very specific calling. And I hadn't got a clue what to do about it. I hadn't got a clue what to do about it. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I felt completely out of my depth. I had the largest possible case of imposter syndrome you can imagine. Who on earth do you think you are to do that? Now, I'm speaking on Pete's behalf. But I think Pete's calling was really quite different to that because I did not want this call. I didn't want it. I think Pete's calling was a bit more like a kind of an Isaiah or a Jeremiah type of, uh, of calling. You know, God put some fire in his belly uh, and Pete would say, woe is me if I don't do this. I'm, I'm a passionate. I'm going to do this. And I think Pete's calling was along those lines. Mine was much more like Jonah. You know, God said, "Go and speak in Tarshish and uh, go and speak in Nineveh." And I'd want to run the other way and, and go run away to Tarshish rather than preach in Nineveh, like Jonah did. I didn't want to do it. It was very reluctant. And then uh, we got introduced to Pete and Rachel. I'd known Pete some time anyway, but not really well at all. Uh, and I, I can remember going a meeting with, with Pete and Rachel one time and. And just sharing with them and thinking, is this right? Sensing the hand of God on it. Uh, and then Pete said, well, look, what I want you to do is come and meet some people that, you know, that, that, that we really think will be working with us as we, we start this new venture. And I clearly remember going into Pete's at his old house, the living room there, and meeting people that now I love dearly. But people like Jen and Ben and Sam and Esther and Lindsay uh, have I forgotten anybody? Uh, Rach Bullock possibly was there, yeah. And I can remember sitting there the first time, meeting these people for the first time, thinking, what on earth am I doing here? I'm more than twice their age. Uh, you know, and, and they were sitting there thinking, who on earth is this old git, you know, that talks about playing golf all the time? And, and I can honestly say that within... I don't exaggerate, but it seemed to me now, with hindsight, within a week, within a couple of weeks, within, certainly within two or three meetings, it suddenly felt like I'd known these people all my life. We were really struggling with the concept of leaving our old church, and within a matter of weeks, God had given us a brand new church family that, that has just been unbelievable. But we met for quite some time, and then we decided that we'd start our sunday gatherings and, and it was uh, you know it's a really tough job but somebody had to do it i was the one that had to go around the pubs and find us a meeting place so you know i had i had probably the only official christian pub crawl you've ever heard of but i went around the pubs and, and, and managed to to sort something out with the the people at the fiddlers who were fantastic and we decided that, that we'd start this church in the fiddlers arms and uh, we met and we had a series of prayer meetings beforehand And I clearly remember, and I know I've shared this to one or two people, but on the morning that we started Springs Church, on a Sunday, going into the gents' toilets in in the fiddler's arms, and, and there was a, I don't want to go into too much personal detail, but there was like a mirror over the urinals, okay. And I looked into the mirror, and I saw myself, and I thought, what on earth are you doing here in this pretty rundown pub on a Sunday morning with these people, and I actually said to God, all right, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to hate it. I actually said that to God, and from that moment on, I can honestly say I've loved every single minute of it. It's been genuinely the greatest privilege of my life to be involved in, in, this, in this church family, There have been tricky times, there have been difficult issues. We've had some bumps along the way. We've had some unbelievably bizarre experiences. I I can't share publicly, but just two or three weeks ago, Pete and myself had one of the most bizarre experiences of my life, being pastors of a church. But, But these things have happened. But actually, all the time, the yoke has been easy and the burdens been light so i want to just ask you do you feel burdened are you heavy laden as jesus said if you're heavy laden could i ask you to try and examine exactly what burdens are you carrying perhaps the burdens you're carrying at the moment are ones that are your own burdens things that you've chosen to pick up and carry that you don't actually have to carry. I don't know, but you'll know. Or perhaps your burdens are burdens that other people have put on you. You know, you've got to be responsible for this. And you've accepted burdens that have been loaded on. You know, I absolutely love most of, well, all of the stuff that we do as a church. I love it. I really, really love it. Mini Springs is absolutely fabulous. GNZ is wonderful. That's the youth work on a Friday. I'm happy to to pop in, to encourage them, to support them. But if you told me, John, you've got to lead Mini Springs. You've got to lead GNZ. I would run a country mile. I couldn't stand it. It would be be so not me to do that. So I can stand aside and say, Amelia, you're doing a great job. Sarah, you're doing a fantastic job. Sam, you're awesome. I want to support you in it. But I know that isn't a burden. That's not my burden. My burden is not to to lead it in in a hands-on way there. Sometimes, if you're doing something and the yoke isn't easy, and what you're doing, even in the Christian context, is just becoming a chore, I'd like to say to you on the authority of Scripture, are you sure you're doing what God's called you to do? Because if there isn't an ease about the yoke, if there isn't a sense that the burden is fairly light, I think it very probably isn't the burden that Jesus wants you to be carrying. Yeah, there are responsibilities you can't shirk. If you're a mum and dad, I'm sorry, you're lumbered with the kids. You know, you, you, Well, I suppose you could give them away, but you know what I mean. You know, It's a calling that you've got, and there are going to be times where it's the, the greatest joy in your lives, There are going to be times where, you know, you're tearing your hair out. We've all got responsibilities. But as Christians, we need to know that there are times when it's okay to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Perhaps we all need wisdom and discernment to know what it is and what it isn't that God wants us to be doing. Let's just have a very quick look at that other scripture. Can we just flip through, Stella? Yeah. No, then go back one. Sorry, Stella. I think there's one missing. So, uh, that's it. Thank you. We read these verses earlier from St. Paul. What St. Paul was saying was this. He gave, um, there were two parts to every saying. Paul said, I'm hard pressed, but I'm not crushed. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I've been persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. I've been struck down. I'm not destroyed. There's another passage in Corinthians, which I, I don't want to read to you. It's, it's really kind of quite horrific at time where Paul actually writes to the churches and he lists all of the things that he's gone through because he's a follower of Jesus. Paul says, I've gone through beatings, stonings, shipwrecks, robbings, imprisonments, ill health. We know that Paul was ultimately martyred because he was a Christian. He eventually lost his life for the sake of the gospel. Now, you might read that and think, God dear, was the yoke easy for Paul? Was the burden light? You might think, I couldn't possibly face what Paul faced. Well, I've got some good news for you. You're probably not going to have to face that. For whatever reason, Paul, being the man he was, was able to carry that particular burden, he was able to endure what he went through. And that was God's own specific calling for him. Other people doing it would not have been able to cope with it, but he could. And I want you to read those things and think what Paul went through. And I want it to inspire you, not condemn you. Don't think I couldn't possibly match up to that. I couldn't do that. Only only this week when, when we took Corner Days Funeral, Pete and myself... Straight afterwards, somebody, uh, in fact, it was, it was Dave's son, came up to me and Pete and just said, thanks for doing what you did. I couldn't possibly do that, what you've done, lead a service. And, and I just said to him, yeah, but I couldn't possibly do what you do in your life. You know, it's because you have your own calling. So don't compare yourself to other people and think, I couldn't possibly do that and, and feel condemned. Be grateful that God's called other people to do other things and search out what it is that he's called you to do be inspired but not condemned because Paul said despite all of this he considered what he went through a light affliction he actually said he felt everything was worthwhile for the sake of the gospel and actually I think if you're doing what God's calling you to do you will actually say yeah there have been issues there have been times but actually it's pretty light in comparison to what jesus has done for me what god's called me to do the burden is one i can cope with the yoke is fitting easier i'm just going to bring this down to land there's a story in the bible where jesus is met by a person that is known as the rich young ruler and basically he comes to jesus and said lord what have i got to do to be saved and and, and jesus said to him well you know the scriptures You know what the Ten Commandments are. Uh, You know what you should do. And he said, I've done this all my life. And Jesus said to the rich young ruler, well, there's just one thing that you lack. Um, You've done all the right things, but all you need to do is sell what you've got and come and follow me and you'll be saved. And it was too much for this rich young ruler. And he went away. And immediately after that, Peter and the other disciples went to Jesus and said, well, you know, that's hard, isn't it? That, That man couldn't follow you. What about us? He said, what about us? We've given up everything for you, Jesus. We've sacrificed everything we've given up, our friends, our families, to follow you. And Jesus actually says in Matthew, and you can read this, Jesus actually says to the disciples, he said, there is a very specific role that you've got. And you, as the 12 disciples, are going to be sitting on a throne in heaven, and you are going to be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So that's a specific role for the 12 disciples disciples but he then said these words uh, which Stella just put up for us he told the disciples what was due but then he said everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life another time he said anyone Who gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple? Assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Let me make it clear. We don't believe in a kind of prosperity gospel at Springs. We don't believe that you can earn your way into heaven. We don't believe that you're called to serve and if you're good enough, you're going to get there. We believe clearly, absolutely clearly, the only way To know that you're saved is to put your trust in Jesus. But we do also believe in a God who calls us to serve him, who promises a a comfortable yoke, says he'll give us an easy burden. And we know that there are going to be tremendous rewards as a result of that. That's really all I wanted to share with you today. Um, I'm going to follow this up, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. There's a lot more to this that I want to unpack and i think we're going to dig into these verses in a bit more detail uh in just a short a uh, couple of weeks time i think uh, but we want to move now into um a time of communion i think we're uh, hopefully getting uh things sorted and we've got some people stella's really working flat out today she's doing the tech and she's doing everything so thank you just as we we think about those words as we hear the call of Jesus saying to come before him to lay our burdens before him and just receive the only burden he wants us to have which is his let's just spend a moment in prayer let's try and be quiet before God just as we enter communion Jesus said to his disciples one time very truly I tell you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in you Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. And St. Paul, again, writing to the church at Corinth, talks about communion that we're just about to take together. And he says this, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. So uh, the ladies, their old ladies, are going to just bring the bread and the wine to you. Could I just ask that you you hold on to both the bread and the wine as it's brought out and we'll all eat and drink together. But St. Paul says... Before you take this, you need to examine yourself. In other words, you need to put yourself right with God before you take this. So just spend a moment and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And if there's anything you need to put right with God, resolve to do that now before you eat and drink. I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that's not pleasing to you. Reveal any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. We know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and having accepted your death as penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covered us for all time. And our desire is to live for you. But while our relationship is secure with you, we know sin can break our fellowship at times. We're still human. We often forget who we are and whose we are. You want to convict and correct us, not shame us. You love us like a perfect parent. You'll never disown us or leave us. You love us no matter what. But sin hurts both our hearts and yours. So before we take communion today, we ask you to search our hearts, reveal hidden things for which to ask your forgiveness. Amen. Let's remind ourselves that on the night before Jesus was betrayed, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So, Father, we thank you for this bread And this wine, may they be to us the very body and blood of Jesus. So let's take the bread in our hands. We take this bread which represents your life, Lord Jesus, that was broken for us. We remember and celebrate your faithfulness to us and for all who will receive you. We can't begin to fathom the agonizing suffering of your crucifixion. Yet you took that pain for us. You died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gives us life. Abundant life now and eternal life forever. As you instructed your disciples, we receive this bread in remembrance of you. Amen. Let's take and eat. In the same way, we we take the cup representing the blood of Jesus that was poured out from a splintered cross. Lord Jesus, we realize that you were the supreme sacrifice for all our sin, past, present, and future. Because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from the power and penalty of sin. Thank you for your victory over death. You took the death we deserved. You took our punishment. Your pain was indeed our gain. And today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that you spilt. Amen. Let's take and drink. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, each time we take communion, we want to recommit our lives, our hearts, our thoughts, our everything to you. Fill us afresh with your powerful Holy Spirit. Help us to hold this fresh remembrance and the story that never grows old close to our hearts. Help us to share its message faithfully as you give opportunity. Help us to serve others in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus. We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.